This morning, I want to speak to you about recognizing God and God moments. Recognizing God and God moments. I want to take you to Luke chapter 2 and um, take you to the scene eight days after Jesus' birth. We're only one day after Jesus' birth. But it seems like, wow, Christmas is over. Um, but eight days after Jesus' birth, there's a story about two people who recognized God and recognized God moments. And I'm wanting to invite you as we enter into this um, new year, I want to invite you to develop this, first of all, this passion and desire, but more importantly, to develop this ability to recognize God and God moments. If ever there was a season in our lives that we needed to recognize God and God moments, it's this season that we are living in, right? So let me take you to Luke chapter 2, and we'll just be reading through some of the scriptures. So if you have your Bible with you, you want to um, just follow through with me. Luke chapter 2, and we'll pick it up from verse 21. Luke 2, verse 21. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Don't miss this. The significance of what Luke is trying to say to us. Right? Um, Mary heard from the angel even before she was pregnant. The angel of the Lord said, you, you are conceived. Well, she probably was already conceived, but she didn't know that. And the angel of the Lord said that you are conceived and you will bear a child and you will name him Jesus. Right? Joseph has a dream. Angel of the Lord appears to him. And the same similar words, you will name him Jesus. Right? And so here you are. Now, moment of decision. Right? What do they name their child? Jesus. The significance of this is that both of them, all right, even though they didn't understand the implications of naming the child Jesus, they may have wanted to name the child after their granddad, which, you know, or after Elizabeth. My Elizabeth has been named after my mom, you know, uh, to recognize um, who she was and significantly who she was in my life. But these two made a decision to obey the angel and name Jesus, all right, name the baby Jesus. I want to say this obedience is something that may come without understanding at first, right? Obedience to something, they, they, they obeyed something they still did not fully understand, right? And so can I say this? Obedience to God requires faith, not necessarily understanding. Obedience to God requires faith, not necessarily understanding. Understanding may come later, right? But that's not a prerequisite to obedience. If we make understanding a prerequisite to obeying God, we are going to be trapped in a very difficult situation. Because I've lived 56 years and realized my brain is probably the size of a pea. Because I cannot fully understand some things. Mysteries that only God holds to. And if we are not comfortable with mysteries 
that God holds on to, we're going to be very uncomfortable with this relationship with God. Because He doesn't tell us everything. It would be fantastic if He gives us a blueprint. Right? Give us a plan. Let us know in advance. Right? Gives, give us the whole thing. Then it's easy to understand you, Lord. Then it's easy to have faith. Right? But I want to say this. Our journey with God requires us to be comfortable with the mystery of not knowing. The relationship with God is usually, it usually begins with not knowing. But it requires obedience. Right? So let me say this again. Obedience to God requires faith, not necessarily understanding. We obey not because we agree or understand. We obey because God said so. And so you see that eight days later, they named the child Jesus. Verse 22, Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman first, if, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Luke is writing to Greeks. And so the Greek community would not understand this uh, requirement, Jewish requirement that's required by law, right? And so here, 40 days later, every firstborn son, right, needed to be dedicated in the temple. And so wherever you are, you make your journey to Jerusalem, to the temple, and dedicate your firstborn son to the Lord, right? There are three offerings, three options for an offering. Firstly, of course, is um, a sheep, all right? A, and if you couldn't afford a sheep, Right, you could um, have another calf, cheaper, uh, a goat. But if you could still couldn't afford a goat, you still could make that offering with the cheapest animal that was available, which is a pigeon. All right, and so Luke is telling us that within forty days, um, with all the expenses of Christmas, <laughs> they had run out of money. All right. They had no money, but obedience was still very, very deeply rooted in their hearts. And so they purchased the cheapest animal, but it was the act of obedience that was necessary for this couple. And they go and they sacrifice a pair of turtle doves. Alright? I also think they've gone through quite a difficult season, alright? It wasn't just about giving birth. It wasn't just uh, about nine months of not knowing what is going on here. Because nobody right, had ever experienced this. They couldn't go to their mums or their grandmums and ask, what is this all about, this virgin birth thing? Nobody could help them out there. In fact, for six months probably, <coughs> Mary was hiding the fact that she was pregnant. Right? And that's why the Bible tells us that she went to be with Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth would understand the things of God and the not knowing and the mysteries of God. Because she had just experienced that as well. And so we, we are looking at this, this, the struggle that this couple had, right, going through this season with God. And yet, 
they could have said, look, we've just traveled 130 kilometers to Bethlehem. I've just given birth in a manger. Maybe this little aspect of dedicating our son to God, maybe we'll just leave this out in the midst of our busyness, right? But you see, obedience is found in the little things. You look at your heart and you'll find that it's the little things that, that really exposes our heart whether we want to obey or not. Obedience is always in the little things. And here they had this minute little detail that needed to be followed and they did that. They took their son, their baby, to um, the temple to be dedicated. It's in the little things we see the heart of obedience. But I want to focus this morning on these two characters that we're going to read on, right? Two elderly characters in the Bible, Simeon and Anna, all right? So in verse 25, we pick it up from verse 25. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The man is just named Simeon, right? His father's name is not given. Usually, they, for, for, um, especially for formal identification, all right? They will let you know who the father is and which tribe they come from, all right? The fucker papa, you know? It's important when you introduce a character, all right? So here he is. But for Simeon, Luke moves away from that and gives you actually his real credentials. And his real credentials is this. He was righteous. He was devoted to God, right? He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. You got to know this. The prophecies, all right, have been there for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. You know, and I know, from the day we went to church, all right, till now, however many years that is, at some point of time, a preacher would have talked about the second coming of Christ. Right? That's something there. It's, it's in us. It's in the back of our minds. Oh, Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. Right? Similarly, in the Jewish mind, it was right at the back of their mind, one day the Messiah will come. One day the Messiah will come. But this gentleman, Simeon, he was eagerly waiting. There was that anticipation in his heart about the prophecies about the Messiah coming. Right? He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He looked at Israel. He looked at the brokenness of the nation. He looked at what was going on in the nation. Right? It didn't cause him to get stirred up and judge the nation. He was more interested for the nation to be saved. And for that, he knew only one can save this nation, the Messiah. Right? And so he eagerly waited for the Messiah to come. The other thing it says about Simeon, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then it says he was living, well, it says Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he was living with a promise. He had a, this promise of God in his heart. And that promise is the one who really woke him up every day. I wonder whether we wake up every day with a promise of God. 
What drives you? What's it that gets you going every day in your life? Right? Get hold of a promise of God for your life. But this is Simeon. That was his credentials. Right? And all these facts are important because this man is going to recognize God. Right? So if I asked you this question, if God came today, what would he look like? We've got some idea. We just don't want to tell it, but we've got some idea. Right? And we've got some idea who God is not. And I can guarantee you that the entire nation of Israel did not think God the Messiah, or rather the Messiah, would come in the form of a baby. That's definitely what they were not looking for. A baby. Right? They were looking for the Messiah who would come to save Israel. And if you look at the prophecies, the prophets had this grand proclamation of the Messiah. And so when you read it, you say, oh, here he is coming. And we too have this idea, the second coming of Christ. He's going to come, right? Riding his white horse, victorious. Look, I'm not saying that's not true. But I'm saying, let's not lock how God will look like. Lest we miss God every day. Simeon was able to recognize God even though he saw a baby. Isn't that amazing? I find it so amazing that a man would keep his mind so open to a God moment, right? That when Jesus came in, he said, this is the Messiah. And he'd go and break into a prophecy about the Messiah that's amazing, right? So let me go back to this. Verse 27, right? That day, the Spirit, this is very important, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. I want to say to you that two decisions converged on that day. For a couple, the decision to obey the law of God. That's all they knew. The simple decision to obey God. Right? They chose to obey God. And they went to the temple that day. This man just chose to hear the prompting of the Spirit. To be aware, God, you're saying something. You want me to go to the temple today. It wasn't something that says, oh, it's Sunday morning, I better go to church. Right? He heard the Spirit of God. The Bible says the Spirit led him to the temple. That ability to recognize the prompting of the Spirit. These two, one obeying the law of God, one obeying the Spirit or the voice of God, both come and converges into this amazing prophetic proclamation. This is God. The Messiah has come. Right? Obedience starts with the little things. Obedience starts with the little things. It's not the big things. What shall I do, Lord? What is this big plan of yours in my life? Right? For years, I was always searching, God, what do you want me to do in my life? What do you want me to do in my life? If I only knew then, as a kid, what I know now, I'd say to my little 21-year-old, Andrew, just be obedient in the little things. 
the importance of obedience in little things that caused two people, two, a couple and an old man to converge and recognize God in the midst of them. I'm not going to look at the pro prophetic word that Simeon says because I want to go straight to the second character, Anna. And that's Anna the prophet in verse 36. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher and she was very old. Why would you put that? She was very old. Excuse me. I'm not old. The moment you say something like that, oh, you're very old. You know, we immediately say, I'm not old. Right? But you know something? There was a time in history when being old was a credential. Especially in the midst of the Hebrew nation. Right? If you walk with God and the older you are, as you walk with God, the weightier your words are in the midst of the people, right? And so Luke wanted to let them know, not only did she have a good lineage, she could trace her lineage right to Asher. I wonder if the Lord tarries and four generations from now, would, what would your great-grandchildren speak about you? Would they trace their lineage to you and stop there and talk about you and say words like, man, when she, when she spoke, when he spoke, the words that came out were so prophetic. My grandmother told me that. My mother told me that. I now am telling you that, little girl or little boy. There's something about the way we live with God when we recognize the voice of God, right? And then, when you're old and you recognize the voice of God, it carries weight. She was a prophet. She was very old, right? Now, it says here, her husband died when they had been married only seven years. So she's in her 80s now. Her husband died when she was, uh, they were married for only seven years, right? Can I say this? It's, it's amazing that... Um, even though she, tragedy had struck her life at a young age, right? She didn't let the tragic experience define her. Dr. Seuss, you know, our little uh, children's author, Dr. Seuss, he said this, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. And as we are going through challenging times, we can either let it define us, or we can let it destroy us, or we can actually allow it to strengthen us. And you've got to make that decision, right? For her, she let it strengthen her, because she came to a place in her life where only two things that she valued most in her life, worship and prayer. Because the Bible says to us, she, she lived as a widow to the age of 84, never left the temple, stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. Worship and prayer, two critical activities that we don't value much today. And yet for her, 
That were the two things she valued most. Worship and prayer. The Bible says she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. See, it's all about timing, right? She walks into the temple. She does this every day. She comes in, she worships, and she prays, right? And sometimes when you're doing it every day for, for decades, she's been doing this every day. Go to the temple, worship and pray. Every day, go to the temple, worship and pray. It can become a religious act, you know? And you just do it because you do it. That's what I do, right? But for her, as she walked in, she heard the voice of Simeon speaking the prophetic words over Mary and Joseph, for her she recognized this is a God moment. When she walked into that temple, she knew, she recognized this is a God moment. And from that moment onwards, she began to talk about the baby Jesus. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. Right? Note the timing. Note the ability to recognize a God moment. Busyness, I put here, busyness is the main cause we keep missing God moments. Busyness is the main cause we keep missing God moments. Right? Psychiatrist Carl Jung said this, Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. <laughs> like that. You know, sometimes you think, ah, hurry is off the devil. No, it's not, it doesn't come from that. It is the devil. It's the very thing that will cause us to miss God moments in our lives. Right? Someone said this, the acronym for busy. Being under Satan's yoke. Sometimes people ask me, what are you, how was your week? I say, oh, busy. Right? Next time if I say busy, can you let me know? Why? Why are you under Satan's yoke? Now, I know we're all busy. we all got lots of work to do, right? We, we, we've got activities that go on in our lives. But this is the point. Busyness is not in the activities. Busyness is in the heart, right? So let me, um, let, let me say this. If you, want to, if you want to recognize God moments every day, you've got to unclutter your life. Even though you're busy doing, going about doing what you need to do, unclutter your busyness, your busy heart. Unclutter your busy heart. Because if your heart is busy, you will miss God moments. She was busy. She had to go in. She had to worship. She had to pray. But her heart was uncluttered. And because her heart was uncluttered, she was able to recognize a God moment that she had just walked into. I don't know how many times in my life I've missed God moments in my life. But I pray every day before I leave the house these days, Lord, let me not miss God moments. I know God moments are there every day of our lives. Let's not miss them. Let 2022 be day, days that you just walk uncluttered in your heart. Unbusy your heart so that even in the midst of your busyness, you recognize God moments. Two stories. Simeon, he recognized God. Anna, she recognized God moment, a God moment. So let me close with these thoughts. 
We are living in a world that is unable to recognize God or God moments. They depend on us really. And so my suggestion to myself, or I preach to myself and I recommend this to you. What does it take to recognize God and recognize God moments? Obedience in little things. Focus on the little things. If it's a 50 kilometer road, obey that. That's a little thing that I can obey. Right? Little things. Just obey the little things. And you'll be surprised how obedience to the little things gets you to the place where you're obeying God in the larger things of life. Reassess our lives. Let's reassess our lives, reassess our values, right? Where's worship and prayer in all this? What's worship? Somebody said worship is worth-ship. What's worth in your life? That's your worship. Where does God fit in in the value systems that you, are, that you have? Is God somewhere around there? Or is God the most important thing that you value? Worship. Prayer. The most important thing you can do, the most significant thing you can do for yourself, for your family, for the city, for the nation, the most important thing you can do is to pray. So my invitation to us is reassess, revalue your value systems this coming year, right? Make worship and prayer, right, highly valued in your life. Finally, declutter your life. Make space for God and make space for God moments in your daily life. Look out for it. Look out for it. Look out for the God moments and look out for God trying to show you himself, trying to drop a little word in your heart. Look out for it. Because I tell you what, if obedience is the center thing in your life and you hear a whisper from the Spirit, somewhere along the line that day, things will converge and God moments will occur in your life, just like it occurred in these dear ones' lives. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.